Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David and as always I am joined by the ligneous Matt. Hello there. Well then Matt, how are you doing today? All the better for hearing from you. you? (laughs) Yeah, not too bad. It's Father's Day today. It is. Have you done anything nice? Yeah, we popped up to Sutton Bank, had a bit of a mess around and uh, got got a fancy coffee on the way back. So yeah, couldn't couldn't uh, really ask for more than that. I am a man of simple pleasures, simple needs. Yeah. I had a little FaceTime with my dad. But yeah. As always, because it was me, my two brothers, and then my mum and dad on the other end. Even though it's Father's Day, it just turned into everyone taking the mick out of my dad and <laughs> just kind of picking on him a bit. Is he the family punching bag? No, no. It's just you, you don't want to show any signs of weakness. <laughs> It's an absolute pack of wolverines, if you do. <laughs> uh, I feel like your family is very different to mine, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Our, our way of showing affection is just being awful to each other. <laughs> it, it was my brother's uh, birthday last week. Yeah. And when I was chatting to my nephew, who's only nine, uh, I just said, oh, can you give a present to your dad for me? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, can you just slap him as hard as he can across his arse? Um, and then this week I said oh I've got a Father's Day gift for your dad and my nephew just went got it, know it, don't worry (laughs) so Uh, good times Uh, my dad is as we speak currently en route from the south coast where he lives Mm -hmm. up to uh, my brother who is uh, just just uh, about 30 miles shy of where we are and uh, I will be seeing him for the first time in about two years next week. Uh, Are you going to well, slap him really hard on the arse? I wasn't planning on it, to be honest. He's quite frail. He's only got one kidney. It would seem a bit cruel. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but uh, It'd be a yeah. good way to assert your dominance as like, head of the family. Yeah. Um, I... <laughs> There is there is no head of our family. We we are a family of beaters, if ever there was one. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a family of beaters, but I was is spelt B-E-A-T-E-R-S. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, of course, we will be touching on themes of family later in this episode when we discuss Knock Knock, yep. which is our um, topic for this week. Um, but that is, of course... Uh, once we've got all of the other, other usual flim-flammery out of the way. Um, so where do you want to begin this week, Matt? Um, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I very nearly said I honestly don't care. Well, you know what? <laughs> I, I'm quite I'm quite itching to get into what I lie to who, because I think I've prepared quite a good one for you this week. Right, let's go for it. Because the current scores are 8-7 in your favour. So oh, so it's getting tight now. Yeah, and this. I think... You've got a decent chance on this one, I feel like, um, but we'll see. So I decided, just for a treat, I'd make it Doctor Who related. Okay. That, that's, and... that's very different for this segment of the show. <laughs> Certainly, uh, I mean, I, I try to keep it more on, on brand than you do these days. You do. It, it, the thing is, I think the key difference is you've usually got interesting anecdotes about your life, mm-hmm. whereas my life consists solely of... 
dull, tedious, and stressful office work interspersed with looking after a toddler. And so my my weeks kind of merge, into, merge together quite often. You did well there not to say looking after your son was dull, tedious, and stressful as well. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's just frantic at the moment. My goodness me. It, it, it's like two weeks ago, right? He was this sweet, thoughtful, focused little kid who just, you know... You'd say, hey, should we do a drawing? And he'd be like, oh, yeah. And, you know, he'd be really into it or whatever the activity is. And then this week, just gone, he is just like, I I don't know, like a, um, just this runaway ball of energy, just like bouncing off the walls in every direction. Can't focus on a single thing for more than 30 seconds. And it's just... Ah, the human brain at, in this period is is fascinating because it just it's it's it seems like it reprograms itself, you know, about once a week. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's been hard to keep up with this week, but uh, very entertaining, it must be said. Um, so anyway, so th- for this week's would I lie to who, I uh, decided to centre it on Paradise Towers which I've just finished watching uh, which is the second Sylvester McCoy story so you're lucky because there's there's no football on this week so I can't (laughs) just play that in the background yeah so um, yeah I'm finally watching the McCoy era in order it's the Doctor that I have experienced the least of Um, and I'm quite uh, you know it's quite exciting just having basically an doctor's entire era that bar the one that we did for this podcast i'd never never really watched before so um paradise towers i had a great time with it but then i went on the uh doctor who magazine 2014 50th anniversary poll and discovered that it is the 10th uh 10th from bottom in that list it's one of the 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 sort of bottom 10 uh worst Doctor Who serials of all time, according to that list, Uh, which seems, I think, terribly unfair for what I thought was quite a fun, strange little story. Um, But one of the things... What's the main criticism of the story? I don't know yet, because I haven't dug into it enough to see what other... What I think the issue... If I had to guess, it would be that it doesn't take itself too seriously... And there is a contingent, especially within the classic Who fandom, that I think don't like it when Doctor Who comes across as a bit silly and crap. Mm -hmm. They kind of want people to think that it is some kind of serious, you know, serious, powerful drama. Because, of course, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. And when it's not, it can often be a lot of fun, I think. But, like, I'm thinking about, like, the, the chase is another one which is a Hartnell story that is very, very silly. And for a long time, old school Doctor Who fans would say it's one of the worst stories ever. But I think it's brilliant. And I think a lot of newer fans actually have a lot of time for the sillier stuff. Because it's just fun, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that being the case, Paradise Towers is notable for having a guest performance... A villain turn from one of the core cast of The Good Life. 
Okay. So, your question this week, Matt, is who is the villain of Paradise Towers? You've got three options. Okay. You've got Paul Eddington as someone possessed by an evil space lawyer. Okay. You've got Felicity Kendall as someone possessed by an evil space brain surgeon. Okay. Or Richard Bryars as someone possessed by an evil space architect. Those are your choices. Right. Can you just give me the first name again? Because I I know Kendall and I know Bryars. But can you just give me the first one again? Sorry. Paul Eddington. So he he plays the husband of um, Penelope Keith's character. Right. You know the the, the middle class uh, uh, neighbour. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not doing anything else other than a Google image search just so I can picture him. Now I've seen him, yeah. I know who you mean. Yeah, he was also he's probably perhaps even better known for playing the the lead in uh, Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister. Okay, and he was possessed by what? Sorry, an evil space lawyer. A space lawyer. Yeah. Okay, so in what context is a lawyer needed in this story? Um, well, it's kind of it, it's this because um, it's it's all set in this in this tower block, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this sort of like these sort of factional groups trying to take charge of the tower block, and. Um, uh, basically, this 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 lawyer sort of comes in and and pos- possesses Paul Eddington's character to try and take control of the situation, um, using you know basically using his superior paperwork skills. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm gonna dismiss that one out of hand. Okay. Although, I, although you could have been vague for a for a purpose there. Right. Uh, give me option number two again, sorry. So Felicity Kendall, possessed by an evil space brain surgeon. Okay, so why would you need a brain surgeon well, in basically, a she's, flats? She's basically, because it, it, she's got like a secret lab set up and she's like operating on on the, the residents of, of the tower block. Okay, to what she's end? Like, why is she doing that? Uh, she's basically trying to... It's it's a your classic world domination plan. So she's she's basically kind of reprogramming them to be just mindless killer people that will do her bidding. Okay, and the third one was Briars, wasn't it, Richard? Yeah. Breyers. Okay, and he was possessed by an evil space architect. Okay, why? Uh, because basically, the architect designed the tower, but basically hated the thought of other people living in it and like despoiling his his beautiful perfect world so he basically wants to just kill everyone in the tower oh, man these are three incredibly vague descriptions um all of a sudden <laughs> the lawyer isn't looking like such a silly idea <laughs> um i'm going to go with the architect. I think that's. I think that's the most Doctor Who explanation. I think just having a lady in a lab making killers isn't that Doctor Who, right? Uh, and I, I don't know. It's between 
the architect and the lawyer, even though I dismissed the lawyer out of hand. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with the architect. I imagine it was some sort of alien that built this beautiful thing. I think that's the most Doctor Who in terms of like character backstory. You would be correct, Matt. Well done. You've we've oh, excellent. Uh, even the scores. Eight all. Eight all. Like a little note of that. Mm. Well, I look forward to watching that episode. I think it's really fun. And genuinely, Richard Briers puts in a great turn. Because, um, uh, spo- spoilers for Paradise Towers, by the way, listeners. Sorry, everyone. But um, for mo- for the first half of the story, he's playing the, uh, the the chief caretaker of the building. And he's like a pseudo-fascist Jobsworth. Uh, and he's very funny in that performance, like sparring against uh, uh, McCoy's doctor. And then he gets possessed by the architect and he just goes like, in- he's just basically like this insane zombie, this homicidal zombie man for the, for the second half. And he seems to be having the absolute time of his life. So... Yeah, I don't get why people don't like that story. It was just a lot of fun. So, yeah. But anyway, there you go. Um, Should we talk about uh, what we've been eating this week? Uh, We can do. Uh, What did you have for breakfast this morning? I had poached eggs. Oh, nice. On toast, naturally. Anything else with them? You have any spinach? Nah, just straight up. But, you know, a bit of pepper on there. Tiny pinch of salt. Nice. That's good. Yeah. What about you? Uh, for breakfast, I just had a coffee. But I had quite a nice lunch mm. today. What did you do for lunch? Uh, so I got some tortilla wraps and then realised we didn't have any ham or anything in the house. Mm. So using the leftovers from a roast dinner, chopped up a little bit of pork, a little bit of stuffing, mm-hmm. put it in the wrap, toasted it. And it was lovely. Ah, very nice. A little hog roast wrap. Yeah. Um, yeah, good times. Would would that make your meal of the week, or have you got another candidate for that? No, meal of the week was last night's dinner. Oh, mine was too. What did you have last night, then? Well, for the first time in probably a couple of years, I went out for a curry. Oh, good times. Went out with my wife, not to Jiper Spice. Because neither of us could be bothered to drive because then we could have a drink. Shocking. So, see, the thing is, like, Jaipur Spice is the sort of place I would take, you know, if I was on a first date. It's like a posh curry house, isn't it? Uh, Kind of, I guess. So we went to Spice of Bengal. And that's that's the sort of curry house you want to go to if you're having a few drinks. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So when we got there, the guy that like owns it said, he was pretty upfront with us. He was like, look, the football's on. I really want to watch that. If you want any other drinks, just help yourself and just leave them on your table and I'll add them up at the end. <laughs> he was just like, I, I, I won't be toing and froing tonight. I'll be honest with you guys. <laughs> that is like Britain in a nutshell right there. Yeah. <laughs> First time I've ever been. I've not met this guy uh... before. Yeah. Rich, trust me to go get a couple of bottles of Cobra from behind the bar. That's excellent. That I, you know what I, 
that's that's a lovely story. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the food was really good. I had yeah. uh, well, we had like a sharing platter for starters. Your usual, you know, a little bit of kebab, spiced meats, and mm. any samosas in there. I love yeah, a good samosa. Yeah, it was. It had a real kick to it. Ooh, nice. Uh, and then I had a prawn tikka balti. Nice. With yeah. plain pilau rice. So I normally get keema rice, but I didn't want meat and fish together. And then a lovely garlic naan. Yeah. You've got to go garlic with the naan, right? Uh, I don't see, get what... Uh, you see, I'm not a big fan of Peshwari naans and stuff. Like My, my partner always goes for Peshwari naan, but... Nah. I think it depends on the curry. If I was having like a lovely lamb one, I'd always go keema and just maximise my meats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if I was going for a, a, a lighter curry, maybe like a korma or something, I think I'd go peshwari. But yeah. nah. going, going for the prawn balti, got to go garlic. Yeah, no, that's definitely that's a good that's a good uh, good choice there. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds better yeah. than uh, my meal of the week. Uh, my meal of the week is uh, just a, a, a comeback for the vegetarian lasagna from uh, my kid's cookbook. Uh, you've got to branch out. You, you have the same three meals that you rotate every week. <laughs> Not quite, but genuinely, at the moment, my partner and I, we just don't have the energy to do much cooking. We don't have the energy to do much cooking. We don't have the money to eat out very much or get much in the way of takeaways. So food is... Um, we're not in our prime when it comes to food. It's, it's. I think it's a lot easier to have really nice food when you don't also have a toddler to feed. Mm. It, it does make it a lot harder. Um, but that being said, you know... We, I, I'm I'm looking forward with my dad being up this week coming. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some nice meals with the family. Yeah. Um, Are you going to guilt trip him into paying? I, I doubt it because he's even more skint than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, whilst whilst we're still in uh, meal of the week, uh, I put a message out um, last week to see whether Shandy was a big deal overseas. Oh yes, I'm very in- excited to learn about this. And it, it seems it is and it isn't. Not to the right. extent it is in Britain. But you, it's not, like, completely unheard of. Yeah, so our friends at the Doctor Who show in Australia yeah. said it used to be really popular, but it's kind of died a death. Right. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and then our friends at Married to Who had heard of it and knew of it, but then we had our other listener, Marie, in America, who lives in the south of America, hadn't heard yeah. of it. So yeah, I just want, I just want, if we could brand Shandy, we'd make millions. <laughs> I mean, it's not, there's not a lot to it, is it? And, and and like you can get like pre-made like cans of Shandy. Who, which yeah. company does it? Uh, it's thingy, John. Is it John Shaw? Mm, Shaw's that did make dandelion and burdock. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. One of those more traditional, um, like soft drink companies. They also do a shandy in a can, but it's not the same, though, is it? Um, no. I think as oh, well. We ben Shaw. We, sorry, not John Shaw. We should make clear as well to any listeners who haven't ever tried a shandy. If you're doing one yourself. 
please do not to be clear it is sparkling lemonade and pretty you know pretty bog standard stuff you don't want to be getting like a posh or yeah. homemade still lemonade if That's... your lemonade is yellow it's the wrong lemonade yeah yeah um but i still haven't had a shandy since we've had that discussion i've been uh, craving one all week since last week i bought eight yeah. cans of lager and drank all of it as shandy <laughs> so that's about 16 pints of shandy this week <laughs> uh, good times um all right then do you want to talk about your non-doctor who tv highlight of the week uh, if you have I, one i would i would i i'm going to recommend a program that i think is probably one of my favorite programs i've watched this year okay so it's on Amazon Prime. Right. And it is Clarkson's Farm. Right. Is is that uh, Jeremy Clarkson, perchance? It is. And I'm not always a big fan of Jeremy Clarkson. I think sometimes yeah. he can be a bit of a knob. But yeah. it, it's a program I didn't realise, but he owns a lot of land in the Cotswolds. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was responsible for running his farm retired. So he decided he was going to take a year off and try to run it himself. Right. And like in, in Britain, we, we have a lot of farming programs, don't we? We have like the Yorkshire vet and, you know, that lady, the shepherd woman, whatever she's called. Yeah. But, but this is probably the most accurate representation of farming I've ever seen. It right. doesn't glamorize it at all. Yeah. It's absolutely heartbreaking at times. It shows you that uh, after a year of planting crops, tending to them, growing them, uh, even though his farm's like a couple of thousand acre, he makes a total profit for the year of £140. <laughs> yeah. it's. Um... I, I would genuinely recommend it. It's, mm. it's such an accurate portrayal. It doesn't mm. glamorise it at all. No. Uh, it's it's weird how in a lot of so-called developed countries, farming and food production is incredibly undervalued mm. um, for something so basic and fundamental to human existence. It's a very strange uh, thing. But uh, there you go. Capitalism is stupid. It's basically my bottom line assessment of that. Um, All right, comrade, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> it's i mean i will begrudgingly admit it's the least worst system anyone has hit upon so far but um yeah unregulated capitalism is just uh anyway i'll probably edit that bit out because yeah. nobody needs to hear my socialist keep, rants keep, keep politics out of podcasts please <laughs> unless it's a political podcast of which there are many that's the one thing our podcast isn't. We're like food, lifestyle, television, a little bit of Doctor Who, but yeah. keep, keep keep politics out of podcasts. Yeah, except, uh, uh, but though it is also worth bearing in mind, uh, Doctor Who is an explicitly uh, political show at times. Keep politics out of Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, no, don't you start, Matt. Yeah. Don't you start with that bullshit. We don't need Harriet Jones. Get her out. <laughs> Anyway, um, all right. Um, Have you watched anything I, good on TV this week? 
I haven't watched a lot of uh, TV again, to be honest. I be, I've been trying to catch up on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I've managed one episode this week, mm-hmm. which I watched in like three separate chunks over separate days. Uh, what else have I watched? Not a lot, to be honest. There's been a lot of Octonauts in the background. Uh, Moana yesterday sat through for the billionth time. Um, yeah, it's just I'm not I'm kind of out of TV at the moment, with the exception of Doctor Who, and uh, so it's tricky. To what I have been enjoying. I've been reconnecting with a with a podcast um, that I thoroughly recommend to all of our listeners uh, called Mission to Zix. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Matt. No. It is an improvised science fiction comedy podcast. Okay. So basically, you you they have the same you've got the same core cast every week, and they'll have a guest performer, and they they play. At least initially, it evolves as it goes. But initially, they are a a crew of um, like ambassadors for an em- uh, galactic empire, sort of reaching out to planets that haven't yet been brought into the empire, and you know hijinks ensue. And what really sets it apart is, f- first of all, the performers are all very funny and very good at thinking on their feet, which is what you want from a good improvised comedy show. But the sound design is amazing. So they do a lot of post-production work to kind of really tighten it up and, you know, Ma- add in sound effects. Imagine if we did. And... Imagine if we had any care in our editing. <laughs> you know, it would be a very different show, for sure. You know, we could start by maybe cutting out all our, like, edit notes when I say, please do this. Yeah. And you just don't do it and you leave that bit in. <laughs> I think there's a lesson to be learned here. <laughs> Uh, perhaps. Uh, but anyway, um, it's it's really funny and really engaging and you very quickly fall in love with, you, the, with the characters, really excited. So if you like if you like sci-fi comedy, if you like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Red Dwarf, anything like that, uh, Mission to Zix is definitely worth your time. Um, and, I, and I really strongly recommend it. I'm most of the way through se- season two of it now. I think they've done like four or maybe even five seasons at this point. So there's a lot to get your teeth into there. And yeah, I think that about does it. Shall we talk about Knock Knock, Matt? Who's there? Um, it's David. We've we've been talking for the last sort of half an hour or so. Yeah, I missed an opportunity earlier to make that joke when you said Knock Knock. Right, yes. And then you've it's just it. missed one there when I said it. Mm. Well, shall we move on? We can. <laughs> <laughs> I like how now we're just purposely not naming this episode. Uh, yes. So do 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 our listeners have any thoughts, uh, or do you do you want to start with listener thoughts, or do you want to give it? Do you want to tee up where you landed with it? Uh, we'll do listener thoughts because the number of tweets we're getting each week seems to be going up. So I mean, if you want to go to the loo or put the kettle on, or something, <laughs> maybe, you know, I, I won't begrudge you because. It's become like the main component of our show now. It, it's it's amazing. It's so wonderful to see that, that so many people are discovering this podcast. I mean, it's baffling, but but also quite gratifying. So it's, I really do appreciate all of your, everyone's contributions. Um, I, I looked, and probably by the time this episode comes out, David, yeah. we'll have crossed 10,000 downloads. 
Yes, I've seen that number creeping up. That's, yeah, it's weird to think about, isn't it? Think of all of those hours of people's lives that we've wasted <laughs> with our inane chatter. I, I can think of one person in particular who's wasted his life with this podcast. <laughs> yes, indeed. It, it's me, David, yeah, if you didn't I, work that out. No, no I, I did. I was kind of leaving that untouched. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, go, go ahead. Hit me with some listener thoughts. Right. Uh, let me just pull them up. Right, so the first one comes from Clover. Do you want to say hello, David? Tell you what, can we take it as red that I say hello to all of them? Absolutely not. It would just it would make this segment move a lot quicker. Look, we appreciate each and every one of our listeners, David. <laughs> can we just not imagine that I'm waving throughout this entire segment to everyone who pops up? I can't believe this. <laughs> People take the time to send nice messages. It's just our, our, just our episodes are getting longer and longer, and it's leaving le- like less and less time to talk about the show itself. Uh, anyway, look, come on, right? Let's crack on. Hello, Clover. Right. I love the unique monster. It is a little corny. I love how the human bit. Sorry, I love how human Bill is, and how she calls the doctor her granddad. That may be dad. I can't remember. Very funny. It's a good episode with some bad bits. All right. Well, first of all, we make that decision, so just pipe down. <laughs> all right. We'll tell you whether it's a good episode or not. Crikey. Mm. Right. Shall we have another one? Yep. Go for it. Okay. This is quite a long one, David, so hope you're ready. I'm strapped in. It comes from BT Flibbity Gigget, who says. Well, first of all, he says nothing until you say hello, David. Hello. Nearly got away with one there. He <laughs> says, this one has grown on me over time. The concept of a living house eating people is an absolute classic horror concept. And it's very well realised here. I enjoy how Bill and the Doctor's relationship continues to develop with her trying to keep it more standard student-teacher relationship while the Doctor is obviously desperate for a closer, more typical companion relationship. The other students are pretty fun as well. I will note that there was a lot deleted from the original script of the episode because it ran too long. Originally, it was clear that Bill's friend Harry was related to Harry Sullivan, a fourth Doctor companion, which explains why there's still a weird amount of focus on him in the existing episode. Also, I'm going to link you to a deleted scene that you need to watch. It gives much-needed confrontation between the Doctor and the Landlord, and also ties together 12's character development between season 9 and 10 with his experiences in Hellbent. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I will include that in the show notes. I've never seen that, so I'd be very interested to have a look at that myself. Okay, so he ends by saying, in my opinion, deleting it made the episode much weaker, and I always mentally put it back in. Ah, So that'd be worth a watch. Definitely. Okay. Next one comes from Frank. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello. Okay. And Frank says, Pretty corny half-assed horror. Uh, You're sticking with this, are you? Sticking with what? (laughs) (laughs) No, crack on. If if you could edit in, I know we talked about editing before, but you know Uh that, like, traditional Transylvanian music? Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor is what you're referring to there. 
All right, we didn't all get A-level music. Calm down. <laughs> He says, pretty corny half-assed horror, but some incredible practical effects, sound design and banter. Love Bill's group of friends and how each one interacts differently with the Doctor. And once again, the Doctor and Bill's chemistry is just wonderful. It is such a pleasant watch. Ha 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 ha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Right. Next message comes from Amy. Can you say hello, please, David? Hello, please, David. Oh, you're on bloody fire this afternoon, aren't you, <laughs> Mr. Comedy? <laughs> yeah. All right. Hello. Yes. Right. You have to do it properly because Amy's one of our nice listeners. <sighs> she is. She is. Hello, Amy. Right. It was an okay episode. It was funny. 12 is funny in this, and people's reactions to him are funny, like when he ate the chip. The relationship between 12 and Bill is a treat to watch, and I like Bill's part in helping 12 solve the mystery. I like the vault scene, and David Suchet is great. Yep. Uh, no, no broad disagreements with anything anyone said so far. Okay. We then have James Courtney. Say hello, David. Hello, James. Okay. So, those first 60 seconds reminded me so much of my experience of renting as a student. Just one awful place after another. I mm. guess this means Bill has done a year of university already. I quite enjoyed the building tension in the episode. The sound design really enhances that. David Suchet is wonderfully creepy. Watching back this time, there was a childlike element to his performance all the way through, which helped to make him unsettling. The house also looks really creepy, and that is no surprise. It is the same house they used for Blink. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I, I only found that out when I was wikiing it last night. I hadn't uh, been aware of that fact before, but it's blindingly obvious now that I think about it. Mm. Like, it's the same exterior. But, but uh, I don't think you ever really saw it in daylight the way you do in this, as you did in Blink. It was always really, like, grim and grimy in Blink. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I don't know whether you ever saw it from such a distance that you saw it had a tower and things like I that. I think the tower may have been digitally added. Right, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I could be wrong, but, uh, I, you know, otherwise they would have had to have searched really hard to get a, uh, a, a, a nearby location which exactly fitted their needs for that. Right. Well, I've got good news with the next message, David. Okay. It, it's from James Swift, the James that we presume dead, killed by James Courtney. Oh, wow. He's back. He's alive. He's caught up? Yep. And he says, I feel this is what class could have been. I really like the concept and the antagonist. The supporting cast ranges from annoying to fun. Little side characters to let Bill feel a little more grounded. Yeah, I would agree. I hadn't made the th the comparison with class, but yes, I feel like this is a much better take on, you know, young studenty types in the Doctor Who world. Mm -hmm. um, they are, you know, they're fairly broad because we don't spend a lot of time with them. But, uh, y you know, you could potentially follow a whole series of people of that ilk having these kinds of adventures. Couldn't you? 
Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah. Right, last message, David. Yeah. Okay, so this is from Marie. Can you say hello, please, David? Hi, Marie. Okay, and Marie says, I loved it. It had such a light-hearted feel while still playing the haunted house horror story in such a surprising way. I love the way Bill presents the Doctor as a grandfather and everyone just accepts it, except the Doctor, who is obviously baffled by that idea. Mm. I've never seen that type of roommate scenario where you have this whole group of people renting out a shared space like that. So I thought that was a neat character tool, allowing for many different backgrounds and body count. The landlord was plenty creepy, but like always with Doctor Who, he had a tragic backstory that was also ended in such a sad manner. I kept thinking the bugs would end up being something we've seen before, like the cyber bugs, so I like that it was something new, even if it was pretty cheesy. The people stuck in the wall are plenty terrifying, as was the thought of bugs crawling all over you to consume you. All in all, I thought it was pretty fun, scary, and a proper Doctor Who episode. Yeah, so that's it. Um, what really strikes me, in a, in a nice way, is that I don't think anybody disliked this episode. Mm. Um, whereas I recall general consensus when this was first broadcast was very mixed. People were, were kind of didn't quite know how to take it. I wonder if it's one that's maybe people are enjoying more on a rewatch or what's going on there. Um, but I, I, I'm most curious at this point, Matt, to find out what you made of it. Where are you ranking? Knock knock. Um. I, I can't say no emotional attachment. Right. But I, I can't say it was any better than good episode, and I can't say it was any worse than bad episode. It was very middling for me. Yeah. Like, when it was funny, it was never hilarious. Yeah. When it was not funny, it was never cringeworthy. I, I, think, I think this is the most average episode we've watched in a long time. Yes, I would broadly agree with that. I think this is a. It doesn't set you know you know it's quite um, contained in its ambitions, mm-hmm. if you like, you know it's like we're gonna do a haunted house episode. We've not done one of those since Hyde. Um, I would say I probably enjoy this a bit less than Hyde if we're just comparing the two. I think Hyde is the more interesting new who haunted house story so far um my biggest criticism of this one is that i because you've got all of these supporting characters and you've got a pretty big name guest star Mm. naturally that is the focus of the story and as a result bill and the doctor are a little more sidelined in this and what I've really enjoyed so far about Series 10 is that core relationship of, of, of Bill and the Twelfth Doctor. I love that dynamic. I've loved seeing that develop. And I feel like it doesn't take a step back this week, but it just doesn't really progress, mm-hmm. I don't feel like. They're just sort of there doing yeah. the usual Doctor Who stuff. And the way the ending kind of retcons everything that's happened... Yeah, this, this is to to coin a phrase I, I've heard on a lot of Doctor Who shows. This is one I'd skip on rewatch because nothing happens. It's not uh, once you know the outcome of the story, 
you've got to be looking for other things to get out of it because it's, you know, the, the initial twist, the surprise is gone. And I do think it's an interesting twist and we will get dig into it in, in due course. But I think it's, yeah, I mean, there are things that I appreciated on a rewatch. Uh, the sound editing, for one, we should probably mention quite a big deal was made at the time when this was released that this episode was 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 mixed with binaural uh sound design are you familiar with that as a concept Matt? never heard of it okay so basically it's when you when you listen to something that's mixed binaurally on headphones it almost gives the impression of surround sound Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you've got like uh, sounds coming from like way back in you know in, uh, to, to over your right shoulder or upper head or whatever. And when you watch it with that in mind, you can certainly tell where they have done that. But that almost takes me out of the episode, mm-hmm. knowing that. And I didn't. I specifically asked you if possible to watch this episode on headphones but i didn't tell you why did you watch it on headphones i did yeah did you find it was particularly immersive or no not really (laughs) so you know that's probably more due to me than anything else well maybe but like i think it goes to show that maybe it was a bit of a gimmick for gimmick's sake right i can't say it necessarily enhances the episode particularly Although, when we get there, there's one thing I am going to discuss about the sound. Yeah. Uh, that is probably my favourite part of this episode. So, yeah, I, I don't dislike this episode at all. I think it's very com- competently executed. Um, and it, it has its fair share of good moments and interesting things about it. But it it it, it never... It's a, it's it's sort of it is it's middle it's a middle of the road kind of affair in the end, isn't it? Yeah, it never gets above like third gear. Yeah, yeah, and I think, well, you know, sometimes that's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think anybody acquits themselves particularly poorly. I think it's 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 competently directed, it's competently edited, the the acting's. Okay, at worst, and very good in some cases. Um, so, yeah, gets the job done. Yeah, yeah. So then, shall we? Uh, shall we uh, rattle through the plot quickly? See okay. what jumps out at us. So we are discussing knock knock. We are. You're not going to say who's there. No, I didn't think it was uh, worthwhile at this point. Okay, so this is Season 10, Episode 4 from the 6th of May 2017, mm-hmm. written by Mark Mike Bartlett and directed by Bill Anderson. Yeah. New writer, I believe. Mm. I don't think he's uh, written for the show before. No, it's not a name I recognise. So this is our first new writer of the series. Mm. Is it one that we'll see again going forward? I... I'm not sure that it is, to be honest. Should we give him a quick I, Google? I, I will. I will Google that. You you crack on. I will quickly Google that to make sure. But I'm. I don't. I don't feel like it is. If it, it what I want to say, if it, if he is a return, if he does return again, he doesn't do anything more interesting uh, 
than than this because I I've completely forgotten about his episode if I have. Right. If that's the case. So the episode begins with Bill's friends calling on her. Um, one of the weaknesses I think of this episode is her housemates. Um, other than the one called Harry, because he's named in that tweet we've just read. I couldn't tell you yeah. any of their names. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're fine. But again, this is one of those limitations of uh, of the show. It, you know, you've got 45 minutes to, to establish and flesh out six characters or, or five new characters, not including the landlord. That that's not going to happen, is it? So, I think they all do well enough. I mean, that there's a very kind of fresh out of drama school quality about them, but that's totally understandable. Yeah. Uh, so they are actually called Eliza, Shireen, Harry, Paul, and Felicity, and okay. Pavel. Okay. We. Uh, yeah, we're not going to remember that, are we? No. In my notes, they're um, just they're just sort of referred to as one amalgamation of housemates. Yeah. Uh, so just to confirm, Mike Bartlett has not written any other episodes of Doctor Who, but he does have quite a long CV. He's predominantly a playwright. He's written a lot of plays okay. and some other TV writing and radio writing as well. So good on him. Yeah. So of the housemates, the only one that I recognised from anywhere is Shireen. That's the girl who survives longest. Right. Uh, played by Mandeep Dillon. Who... I don't think I've seen her in anything else. What what's she uh, done? Uh, well, I recognised her. She's in the David Brent movie, the Ricky Gervais David Brent movie. Uh, I've never seen that. And then I think off the back of that, she is in Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais series as well. Right. So I only really know her from that. So obviously, obviously, uh, Ricky Gervais is a fan. Yeah. But. Uh... Yeah. Okay. So, Bill's friends come and call on her because they're all moving in together. Mm. Okay. And the houses they view are all absolutely rubbish. So, one's really, really tiny. One's next to a big factory. Mm -hmm. um, there's just nothing satisfactory. So, I feel like I have to ask at this point then, uh, Matt... What is the worst student accommodation you lived in when you were a student? Um, it depends. In in first years, I was in halls, halls of residence, yeah. and that was yeah. absolutely fine. Then in second year, I moved in with one of the people I lived with in halls. Yeah. And, well, two of the people I lived in, with in halls, but one of them invited some friends from home to live with us. Ah, uh, right. And whilst the house was actually quite nice, they were just knobbers. I just didn't... Oof, yeah. And yeah. the thing is, because they were a couple, any time there was any decision to be made, you know, you were never going to win if they were the opposing team. Of course, yeah. So that was a nice house, but it wasn't very nice to live there. And then in my yeah. third year, I moved in with some of the other people I'd lived with in halls, in the worst house I've ever seen anyone live in, uh -huh. but it was the most fun. Like so, the house itself. What was bad about it? Oh, uh, it was falling apart. It was filthy. Like mm. um, 
the plaster was cracking. When we got the landlord to fix it, it did like such a half-assed job. Just the whole house was just rotting, basically. Yeah. It was just a vehicle for this man to make some money. Um, yeah. Worst worst house I was in, we spent one term uh, there, uh, and it was it was like autumn winter term. So it was after the first house. I, uh, my friends and I got after moving out of halls and it was in this like pokey little village because I went to an art college in quite a rural area so there wasn't like there wasn't a, like a massive city or anything to choose from it was a small town with some often quite overpriced options or you could you could take your chances with one of the surrounding villages so we ended up in this manky old house and it was it like from the off, it was weird because you like you had to go down a short flight of steps to get into the front door. Mm-hmm. Like it was on the high street in the village, but it was sort of sunken somehow. Um, and it had like it had a cracked window. It was all single glazed. Um, the 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 frames and the doors were all rotting. Um, there was like an inch long inch high gap under the door from from the kitchen which led out to the back and so you just every morning you'd wake up and like the ki- the kitchen floor would be crawling with slugs and snails mm. um and it was so damp it was so damp and all of us got really severely ill from one term staying in this yeah, horrible house. I, I had the same um, in the second house I lived with. You could, yeah. If you touched the wallpaper, you could probably have pushed your hand through it. It was oh, that God. wet. Um, yeah, we, you'd, you'd wake up and, and like your, your duvet would just be soaking. Yeah. For a lot of the oh. time that I lived in that house, I sofa surfed at some friends. I was yeah. just like, I can't face going back to this horrible house. Yeah, so we did, we did, we did one term there, and then we were just like, nope, that's it. We finished, you know, that was the end of the contract, and we were done. Um, and I nicked a pl- plastic lobster from that house, which I have to this day. <laughs> uh, I, I can remember it wasn't from the house, but I remember once at university. I don't really know why. Again, I think there was more than a few shandies involved. Me and some friends went to a, uh, a curry house. And we just played the game. Yep. What's the biggest thing you can steal from the curry house? <laughs> and I, I remember I went into the toilet, took mm. a framed painting off the wall, wrapped it up in my coat, and then just left. Oh, crikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think... I think that I think that plastic lobster might be the only thing in my life I have ever stolen. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, I, I was a good little boy growing up. Um, I don't, and, and I and I say that with no pride. <laughs> you know? um, I, I but, remember the last day yeah. that I was in my student halls of residence. I, I moved out on the very last day you were allowed to be in the halls. Yeah. And they got let out over the summer for a summer school. Right. And the guy that was sort of cleaning the halls and everything had come into ours like a day early to put things in. And I just remember I stole like four new pillows and two new duvets. <laughs> like, I don't know what need yeah. I had for so many duvets, but 
it was just nice to have. Smoke for it. Fair enough. But anyway, yeah, student accommodation. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the low point of university, I would say. Yeah. So already, I feel like this episode is off to a good start because it's a very relatable premise, I Mm. think. A very strong starting point for this story. Yeah. So then David Suchet appears. He does. Poirot himself. Yeah. You a Poirot fan? Uh, I've watched the odd one. I, I wouldn't commit to it. Yeah. I, you see, I, I want to, at some point, one day in my life, I'm going to start and I'm going to watch every David Suchet Poirot in order. Shall we podcast That's... it? <laughs> maybe. Maybe one day. But, yeah. I think it's all on Britbox now, so it should be easy enough to do. But yeah, I like a bit of Poirot. Yeah, it's just one of those things that, like, if there was nothing on, I would watch. Yeah. Like, I remember once I watched an episode of Taggart and I was like, that was brilliant. I'm going to watch this every week. And then I watched the next one and it was different. And I was like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> you just got lucky with a particularly good one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Suchet offers them a house. Which is clearly incredibly sinister and evil. Yeah. Every time they walk past it, it's night and lightning flashes. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it super c- tropey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of them uh, later in the episode refers to it as a Scooby Doo house, and they're not wrong. Like it could, it couldn't be more haunted looking if it tried. Yeah. So th- he tells them that the tower is off limits, as if we didn't need any yeah. more tropes. Yeah, and it one of them, uh, I think it's Pavel, moves yeah. in earliest. He moves in straight away on a yeah. dark and stormy night. Uh huh. And when he's moving all his stuff, the house gets him. We don't yeah. see how, but the house gets him. Yeah, we hear a bit of creaking and some screaming, and then we're left with just that record player skipping on the same few bars. Right, then we get the titles, and mm-hmm. we get my favourite bit of the episode. And it, yes. it's actually been probably, I hadn't noticed it at the time, but it's probably been my favourite bit of the last few episodes. I really like Bill's theme music. It's so bright and cheerful. and Yeah, yeah. just when she's moving in and you get that nice little, nice little bit of music playing. I think that's yeah. my favourite bit of this series so far. Yeah, I think, you know, Murray Gold, like I say, I sometimes I love it like his work, sometimes I don't. I think he absolutely nails it with, with Bill's theme because she is just such a ray of sunshine as a character. Yeah, So to- yeah. totally agree. So the TARDIS appears to help her move all her stuff. And we get a little bit of the Doctor telling Bill of the Time Lords. You know, he mentions that they all have big collars and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think he briefly mentions regeneration and then says, oh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's for another time. And they move on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when they arrive, the Doctor is immediately suspicious of the house. Yes. I can't imagine why. (laughs) And Bill introduces the Doctor to all her friends as yes. his granddad. As her granddad, yes. sorry. Yeah. 
And I like the, the doctor's like, oh, come on, I'm not old enough to be her grandfather. Yeah. That's it, because he goes, father, surely. And then she goes, yeah, grandfather. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I like the, the student's reaction, because, like, obviously they go to that university where he's worked forever, and, like, they react exactly how you would expect a sort of crazy old professor type, um, you, you, you know, suddenly turning up. And the, they're just like, ah, oh, the doctor, what a legend, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking as a teacher, I absolutely hate it when people do that. Yeah, well, when they recognise you outside of work. Yeah, and you yeah. don't have anything to talk to them about. Like they might no, have, of course. They might have sat in your class for five years, but when you go out and they're just like, well, hey, all right, sir, and I'm like, well, I was. Oh, sorry, I should have sworn. <laughs> I didn't swear. Edit that out, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm not editing that one out. Right? But... <laughs> That, that's usually my go-to phrase if someone's like, oh, you're right, sir. Just like, well, I was. <laughs> that's fair enough. And, and, like, the Doctor is just completely nonplussed by it. He's just, he's just, I think he's just too distracted by the obvious creepiness of the house. I'm, I'm so disappointed, I swore. I've been doing so well recently. You have, you have. All credit to you. Probably sworn more than you this episode. Oh. Yeah, I don't think I've I've uh, let any off yet, have I? Yeah, and you better not, okay? Oh, We've got young told. listeners. We're PG now. <laughs> We're like... It's fine, though. They already know all the swear words, Matt, so all, don't know what you're worried about. All of the swear all words. All of them. All of them. Yeah. In every language. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Where did we get to? So, the Doctor leaves and Bill gets settled. And yep. her housemate suggests that they throw a party. Okay. And whilst yes. they're moving all their stuff and exploring the house, they can't find a way into the tower. Even though yeah. they've been told it's off limits, you know, it's obviously the first thing you would do is see if you could get into it. Of course, yeah. Okay. So, there's another ominous, dark and scary night where they're all mm-hmm. hanging out in the living room. There's no phone reception. None of the plug yep. sockets are up to date for modern, you know, appliances. Mm-hmm. So they're just kind of hanging out when they hear a noise. Yes. And the housemates are too cowardly to check it out. So Bill investigates and we ramp up the tension. But of course, we just find the doctor in a cupboard. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And he says, isn't it strange that there's no central heating? The whole house is out of date. And when the housemates agree and start chatting, the doctor points out to Bill that when they were outside, all the trees were creaking, but there wasn't any wind. Mm. So clearly something is amiss. Yes, indeed. Okay. And then... Whilst they're having this conversation, the landlord just reappears out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. He's like the shopkeeper off Mr. Ben. He just appears <laughs> all the time. He is, rather. Yeah. Right? So, they complain about the house and its fittings. Mm-hmm. He makes a note, says it'll all be fixed. But he instantly gets mad when they ask about the tower. Yeah. Great performance from David Suchet in this scene. That he's, you know, he's... So far, he's been sort of uh, kind of like a bit vague and 
you know, doddery, but just he seems like a sort of harmless old man kind of thing. Like slightly creepy, but not like majorly so, just sort of more just in a world of his own than anything. And then when one of them mentions uh, how how do we get into the tower? He just sort of turns and snaps and you don't. Yeah. And it, oh. okay, let, let, I, I I didn't know exactly when I was going to first ramble about David Suchet's performance, but I think it's here. What I love about what he's doing this episode is that he isn't overplaying it. I think as an actor, as a character actor like David Suchet is, there would be a, must be a huge temptation when you finally get the call to come in and be a Doctor Who baddie for a week. To be like, oh, great. This is it. This is my one chance I get to do this. And I'm going to really ham it up. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, why wouldn't you? It's, it's Doctor Who. It's a big, broad family show. And you get to be a baddie. And that's fun. So you want to have fun with it. But David Suchet, he's read the script. He's understood it. And... With the emotional turn that we get later, he's made the choice. I'm not going to overplay it. I'm not going to ham it up. I'm going to do it quite low key. And then when that emotional turn comes, I think it has much greater impact for that. Yeah, I think knowing what we know about the character at the end, yeah, the performance makes sense. Because at this point, you don't know what's going on. He could be... Could be like class. He could be the leader of some race of space elves, and we just don't yeah. know. But actually, yeah. when we get that resolution, you realise when you reflect on his performance that that's the role he's playing. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I just, I, I, I really admire the choices that he's made for, in in his performance for this episode. So, yeah, I just wanted to to, to say that. Um, anyway, yeah, so where, where do we go from here? Okay, so the Doctor begins to quiz the landlord about who is mm-hmm. Prime Minister. Uh, yep. He even name drops Harriet Jones. Yeah. Can we keep the politics out of Doctor Who, please? And <laughs> the landlord can't answer. He changes the subject straight away. He does, okay? yeah. yeah. And immediately he disappears. He says, yeah. right, I'm going to go get these things fixed. And... It's almost like a cartoon. The door closes, and when it's immediately reopened behind him, he's not there. Because one of the housemates goes to question him, to ask about something. I can't remember. I think it was the washing machine or something. Okay. And when they leave the house, um, the the landlord's just not there. Okay. So the doctor then tries to kickstart a party so he can stay in the house. Plays a little bit of Little Mix. Mm-hmm. And Bill ultimately kicks him out. Now, I, I, I'm going to defer to you as someone who has some semblance of understanding of, of popular music and what the kids are into these days. Are, d- does it strike you as, as accurate that Bill's being teased for being into Little Mix? Uh, are they? I mean, only by, like, you know, the kids are, who are too cool for school. Like, right. I, I won't deny it. I've actually seen Little Mix live. Uh, I went to Radio 1's Big Weekend when they were playing. And actually, yeah. in terms of like a live show, I, I've seen few better. Well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, like, to me, the thing is, it just sounded like exactly like 
all all the pop music from the last yeah, ten years. Yeah, they're, they're probably not pretentious enough for you. So. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they're like happy and stuff. Uh, but, yeah. But yeah, there's no demented saxophone solo in it. What what am I meant to do with oh, that? Oh, shut up! I nearly swore again. <laughs> But yeah, like, you know, all the cool indie kids would be like, oh, why do you like Little Mix? You know. You know who yeah. I'm talking about when I say that, don't you, David? The goths. <laughs> <laughs> there were no goths in this story. Good. That's why I'm going to change it to good episode. <laughs> um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so they but basically... The, the Bill's desperately trying to get rid of the Doctor. Um, the Doctor's trying to keep the party going as a pretense for snooping around. Yeah. But eventually, they do they all make the decision to just go to bed at that point? They that... do. Yeah. But only after one of the housemates tried it on with Bill because he doesn't realise she's gay. Yeah. I, I get. I do. We didn't. Necess- we didn't necessarily need this as a moment, but I like how it's played. Again, in that it's. A similar to that that in that first episode of class, you know, it's just not a big deal. Mm. You know, they don't they don't milk it or or anything. Um, so yeah, yeah I, think I like it here because it's way. more about him than it is about Bill. Because yeah. rather than it being like focusing on Bill's sexuality, he like literally can't believe a woman doesn't like him, and then the relief <laughs> he has at the end when he's like. Oh right, that makes sense because I'm so irresistible. I couldn't yeah, that seems that seems to be the unspoken implication, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once yeah. they've put that to bed, uh, he puts himself to bed. Except yeah. he doesn't. He closes his bedroom door, and we get loads and loads of screaming. Well, first of all, he's like prattling about a bit, isn't he? He's kind of teasing them for finding the house so spooky. So he's sort of pretending to like being to be pulled in by a ghost or whatever. Um, but yeah, but then there's there's lots of actual screaming. Yeah, the whole house clattering starts about. like knocking and yeah, making weird noises. Okay, and the doors in the house begin to seal themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's clearly trying to trap Bill and the housemates. Yes. Okay. So what's your theory at this point? Because I'll tell you what, mine was, oh, the house is an alien. Yeah, I just thought, <laughs> you know, is there some sort of house monster? Yeah. You know, or is it just something that's invisible? It, I, I, I genuinely thought it's going to be ghosts that are aliens. Yep, I mean it's as good a good a theory as any. You know, it's always aliens. It doesn't matter what you think. It's always aliens. Except, and we didn't mention this last week. Thin ice. It's never confirmed that it's an alien. The big fish. No. So that puts it in quite a rare category of Doctor Who episodes, where it's not even that it definitely isn't an alien, but it's just like might be. Don't know. <laughs> Because is the Lazarus experiment still the last one where it's not an alien? Officially, I think, yes. And it depends whether you want to classify Thin Ice in that or not. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We did talk about it just being a big fish for a while. 
So yes, yeah. What do you think, alien or just a big fish? I don't know. It's got some pretty specific powers. Um, my money's on big alien fish. Yeah, I mean, it, it literally crapped rocket fuel. Yeah, it's pretty alien. Yeah. Anywho. Right, so... One of the housemates tried to flee. Uh, sorry, tries to flee. And all the shutters close behind her. Okay? Mm -hmm. She does get out of the house, but is immediately killed by something unseen once she's out there. Yeah. Okay? So whilst they're running around the house screaming, panicking, Bill finds the first housemate that moved in. And he's embedded in the wood panelling of the house. Ah, oh, I mean, credit where it's due. That is a really creepy visual. Yeah. It made me think of, like, Aliens. Yeah. Where you've got all that horrible stuff. It's pretty body horror, isn't it? And most worryingly, he's still alive. Yeah. That's the worst aspect, isn't it? That his eyes are moving and he's, like, trying to speak. It, uh, yeah. Okay. So the, Unpleasant. The music that he was playing on his gramophone mm. is what stopped the house from eating him. Yeah. And once he's telling us, well, once we work this out, you know who reappears. It's only the landlord uh -huh. again. Yep. Okay. And he knocks on the wall with a tuning fork. Yes, he's done that once previously, mm -hmm. but uh, it's not explained there. But... Uh... Yeah, it's obviously one of his things. Yeah. So, Bill runs away and ultimately does find a way into the tower. Okay. Would you believe it? It's just one of those trick bookshelves that has a book-shaped handle on it. Yeah, I think... Well, to be fair, I think one of the... Is it Harry earlier in the episode sort of mentions, ah, oh, I bet you there's one of those... Uh, and and then lo and behold, there actually is. Yeah. So they kind of again, it's it's trying to lampshade it to get away with it. I feel like. Yeah. So, elsewhere, you know if I had the money, if I had the money, if I won the lottery, and I had like a big fancy house, I'd put one of those in. Yeah, I can't remember where I read it, but it uh, it rings true. I read somewhere that every man's dream is to have a secret passage in their house that no one else knows about. Yeah. It would be fun. Yeah. I'd go yeah. for that. But anyway, um, yeah, so they met, so Bill and what what's her name? Uh, get into the tower. Shireen. Yeah. Okay. So the doctor elsewhere beckons whatever it is that's controlling the wood. And then I've just written, it's a beetle. It's yeah. lots of beetles. Yeah. So, again, he and Harry run away and they find an elevator mm. that, at first I thought, took them into the basement, but it seems to take them up the tower, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. And he's got an up and a down, hasn't it? So that they, they, they head up to the tower. Um, yeah, the, I like the design of the Beatles. You know, as, as the Doctor refers to them, dryads, just mm -hmm. for the sake of giving them a name, but uh, they're basically woodlice. Yeah. Only big and with glowing antenna. Um which I've, I've always thought are one of the friendlier-looking insects. I don't know. I don't I'm sure find I've them super creepy. I'm sure I've talked before that I, 
one of my biggest fears when I was young. I went to a museum where there was giant insects you could look at, and the whole thing uh-huh. just terrified me. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was in York uh, Castle, not the Castle Museum, you know where the museum gardens are? Yes. In there, yeah. and there was like a giant praying mantis that was probably about 30 feet, low, 30 feet tall, giant stag beetle, that was the one I really didn't like. It was just oh. horrible. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, Not when you're young. It was pretty haunting. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? The things that you you latch onto when you're little that kind of just you irrationally creep you out and Mm. then, you know, you can be scarred for life. Yeah. I still refuse to eat cauliflower. I don't know why. I've just never liked it. Fair dues. I mean, to be fair, it's not one of the nicer vegetables. No. You can do nice things with cauliflower. It looks like uh, a big white brain. And it tastes yeah. horrendous. Mm. Same way with uh, aubergine. Like, things you eat shouldn't be that colour. <laughs> it's the skin on aubergine that I, I can't stand. It's when people cook aubergine and leave the skin on. Because it's like as thick as a rhino's hide. Yeah. It's, you know, nobody should be eating that. Anyway, um... Uh, where are we? Where are we? I've right. completely lost track. So, in the tower, Bill hears a voice. And yep. it says, Father, is that you? Mm-hmm. And just as you think you're going to get the reveal, we cut back to the Doctor, who finds the belongings of all the previous tenants. Every yes. 20 years, there are new tenants. Oh, so, no, they did go to the basement initially, don't yeah, they? they? Yeah, they do. That's, and that's where they find all this stuff. Because um, would you believe, yeah. whilst he's looking through all the previous tenants, like belongings, guess who appears? Oh, yes, indeed. Just the landlord. So the doctor questions the landlord, and he says, well, all all of them are still in the house. But he doesn't mean in the house. He means in the in. house. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, and so we, we crucially, we find out that basically he gets six six students in, once every 20 years. Yeah. So there's almost a ritualistic aspect to it, it seems. Yeah. So the landlord says he has a daughter who was dying until the creatures saved her. Okay. Yes. And whilst this is going on, the creatures eat another housemate. I think they eat Harry at this point. Yeah. Okay. And we cut back to Bill, who meets Eliza. Yes. Who is wooden. Yeah, uh, and again, another thing that I think particularly needs praising is the the makeup and costuming mm. on uh, on Eliza is stunning. Because if you go so back, well the whatever it's called, not the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but that Christmas special that has the wood yeah. people, the Doctor, the Widow, in the wardrobe. That's it. The, yeah. This looks a hell of a lot better than that, doesn't it? It does, and I like I like the wooden people in that episode. I think it's effective there, but this is a step up for sure. Mm. And God, it's so creepy. Yeah, but in a really like just fairy tale kind of way. But at the same time, it, it's really creepy. But she isn't antagonistic. She's not the no. bad guy, and that almost makes no. it even more creepy. Yeah, that that she's just kind of sad. Yeah, you know, you know, if she leapt forward and she had big wooden fangs and stuff, 
yeah. that's where we might expect things to go. But the fact it doesn't take yeah. that route makes it, you know. And I distinctly remember there was a brief shot of this uh, costume used in the Series 10 trailer, and there was a lot of speculation about wooden weeping angels. Oh, really? Off the back of that. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that, that it didn't go down that route in the end. But, uh, yeah, no, re- re- really well done. Right, so whilst they're chatting to Eliza, one of the little bugs runs across the room and Shireen steps on it, and uh-huh. that causes her to instantly be consumed. Yeah. Okay, and once she is, the doctor appears and offers to help Eliza. Yes. Okay, and this is where we get the resolution of the story, because... Yeah. The landlord originally showed Eliza the bugs to cheer her up when she wasn't well. Yeah. Okay. And it was... They were dormant. He found them in the garden. Mm. And it was the high-pitched frequency from the music box which triggered them. Yeah. Okay. So, when he tells this story, Bill begins to piece things together. And he, she works out that if Eliza's been wood for 70 years... And the landlord's her father. He must be, you know, close to 100 years old, if not older. Yeah. And we find Doesn't out... Doesn't make sense. No. But we find out he's not her father. He's actually her son. Yeah. And the other thing is, she, she says, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, if he was her father, he'd have better things to do than be messing about in the garden looking for for bugs. And I, I, I like the bit where... where you know, the, the initially the doctor doesn't get why someone wouldn't bring bugs in to, to show a, a dying relative. Um, and, and Bill's like, well, because they're gross. And he's just like, no, they're fascinating. <laughs> like, like, that's such a, a, a sort of a doctory response, isn't it? Mm. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so in all... In all You've got that final piece of the puzzle there, that he, he was actually her son all along. you know. So Eliza begins to feel guilt for all the deaths in the house, which causes the landlord to get mad, and he begins to summon the bugs. Yeah. Okay. However, rather than serving him, they serve Eliza. Yeah. Okay. And she opens the shutters to the house... To see the fireworks outside. Because there was a freshers party going on. That we didn't mention. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she's able to finally see the world outside her window. For the first time in years. Yeah. Okay. So she tells the landlord that he must leave. He should go see the world. That's all she wants for her son. But he refuses. And when he refuses. They embrace. And she uses the bugs on him. And herself. In order to restore the housemates. Yeah. Only the most recent ones, though. The others, yeah. they're, they're yeah. out of luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, we get the best bit of any Doctor Who episode. They run about for a bit. Mm. And the house collapses around them. Yeah. And then, finally, the, the Doctor and Bill kind of just say, Look, we're glad that's over. Take care. See you in a bit. Yeah. And, and then we get a, a little coda, but but before we get there, so I just want to say, so because that really, that kind of wraps up this story. 
doesn't it? You know, the the little bit on the end is is just kind of uh, arky stuff. So yeah, I I I, I guess this episode is for the the first one quite a while that really does. And I used this this phrase a little earlier, but it feels like a fairy tale, really. It's What's my cat shouting about? Sorry, I'll be back in a second. What's the matter, babes? Is, it, is everything all right? That was like a Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, I think she mode. just saw enemy cat from next door. Um, but, okay. yeah, it really does feel like a bit of a fairy tale. It's, it's kind of quite a simple little morality story about, and about basically, you know, life is for living. You know, there's no... You shouldn't just try and preserve people, or you know, you know. It's better to, to, you know, the old better to have loved and lost, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that's what it's what it's saying really here. Um, which is nice, you know. You, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want every episode of Doctor Who to be that kind of on the nose and preachy and um, stuff. But once in a while, it's not a bad thing. Now, can I ask a question? Yes, of course. Do we see any of these housemates ever again? Nah. That's it. They're one and done. Yep. <laughs> right. Which I think is a bit of a shame, and I think if Moffat wasn't planning on, on leaving at the end of the series. And I, I think we, we talked before, this is Moffat's last series. This is kind of the, the swan song for that whole era. I, I I think if we'd maybe gone into series 11 and we still had the 12th Doctor and we still had, um, you know, um, then I, I think there might have been more room to develop them and, and develop that whole subplot but uh yeah no they don't really go anywhere with this okay right should we talk about the closing scene yeah i think we'd better right so nardol is guarding the vault still and yep. the doctor brings chinese food because everyone was eating chinese food earlier oh we didn't address by the way the doctor eating a prawn cracker in the noisiest yeah, but... way imaginable actually yeah um if I just go back, yes, because I did put a message out this morning, last call for any questions, yes, and I was like, is there anything else other than this episode you want us to discuss? And we did yep. get a message from Lydia, yes, who says prawn crackers, yes or no? Yes, yeah, big yes from me. Mm. Yeah, no prawn crackers are great. What I wanted to mention was I I'm sometimes in the habit of watching. Uh, people reacting on Do- to Doctor Who on YouTube, you know, it's I, I I imagine some of our listeners are maybe also familiar with some of the the people who do that because you know uh, this podcast is in some ways not dissimilar to to that kind of thing of just you know people experiencing the show for the first time. And what I find uniformly interesting is whenever an, an American reactor gets to this episode, they don't recognise the prawn crackers. Oh, really? They always think it's like some kind of rice cake or something. It's, and so they just must not be a thing in America. I oh, could wow. be mistaken. If you are American... That, that, that can be this week's 
does this exist in America? Yes, absolutely. That's what We've I wanted to say. Biscuits and shandy. Yeah. So right. please tell us, Americans, do you, are you aware of prawn, cracker, prawn crackers? Is it just reactors on YouTube that are ignorant of prawn crackers? Or is it just that they're not a thing in your country? Because if so, crikey, you're missing out. Right. On that note, David, we also got another message that I failed to read earlier, but I'll read yeah. it now. Okay. It's from Kimberly. Do you want to say hello? Hello. You should have said hello to Lydia as well. Can you do that now, please? Hello. Perfect. Uh, Kimberly says, I like the spooky vibe of the episode. Not sure of the ending, but I like the general group of people and the cameo by David Suchet. Okay. And then when I asked for random things, uh, she said that she's made some Angel Delight today. Oh, excellent. Where do you stand on Angel Delight? Love it. Yeah. We always have some in the cupboard as like a cheap and cheerful pudding. What's your, what's your go-to flavour? Butterscotch. Ah, uh, you see, I can't deal with butterscotch. I don't really know what butterscotch is. Is it just toffee? Yeah, ish. It's very sickly, though, because it's, it's like Werther's Originals. They're butterscotch, aren't they? Yeah, but they're just like hard toffee. I'm going to Google what is nah, butterscotch. But, butterscotch is, has a sicklier quality to it than toffee, I think. Because I like toffee. I'm not a big fan of butterscotch. Yeah, it, it does just literally look like toffee. Uh, originated in Doncaster. Uh, it's similar to toffee, but for butterscotch, the sugar is boiled to the soft crack stage, not the hard crack stage, as yeah. with toffee. There you go. Oh, who knew that that would make such a difference? But, uh, yes. Every day's a school day. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, right. So the yeah. doctor sends Nardole away. Yep. But not before he reveals that whatever's been in the vault has been restless. Mm-hmm. And we also find out that the doctor has put a piano in the vault. Yeah. And when he offers food to whatever's in the vault. Yeah. And says, I've got a story to tell. The door opens Ooh. and the Doctor enters. So, guesses for this week. Who's in the vault? What's in the vault? Well, I had an idea, but I don't think it can be. I was like, could this be like a multi-Doctor thing? Is there an old Doctor sat in Ooh. there? But I don't could think be, so. I don't know. Could be the curator. Uh, yeah. I think we've seen enough of him. I don't think he, he can come back. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, interesting uh, thoughts. Yeah. I'm trying to think what what else. You know, my mind keeps going back to the master. Um, I don't know. I wonder if it it could be future Bill. Maybe in uh -huh. the future, in in one of their adventures, Bill has to do something, life or death, and the punishment is they get locked in a vault. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. Well, we'll have yeah. to wait and see, won't we? Yeah, um, what have we got next week? So next week, we will be discussing oxygen. Okay. Knock, knock. Uh, I mean, no, we, we just did that one, Matt. We're doing oxygen next. Knock, knock. No, we, that, that, we, we finished. That was this week, Matt. I don't think we can we just do done. an episode on knock knock and not have a single <laughs> knock knock joke. <laughs> All right then, try me one more time, Matt. Knock knock. Who's there? Boo. 
Oh, sorry, bear with me one moment. Hi, Sausage. I'm, I'm just doing my podcast. I will be two minutes. No, five minutes. Okay, I'll be five minutes then. Okay, I'll see you very, very soon. Bye-bye. Right, okay. Right. One more time. Knock, now. knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo-hoo. No need to cry. This week's episode wasn't that bad, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose not. I suppose not. All right. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Um, and uh, do join us, listeners, next week for our discussion of oxygen. But until then, thank you very much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.